Here at the All In Podcast, we love talking about sports. That's pretty much our main topic. And in sports, you need to be reliable. Well, what's more reliable than Tavon's Lawn Care, LLC? It's a Black-owned family business in York, PA. Uh, Tavon's Lawn Care, or TLC for short, since they provide each job with tender love and care, has been in business for over (laughs) 10 years. Founded by owner Tavon Parker, TLC aims to provide employment, for underprivileged youth while providing great service at a reasonable rate. You can visit Tavon's Lawn Care LLC.com or Tavon's Lawn Care on Facebook and Instagram to view their portfolio and request your cost-free quote now. So if you need any kind of lawn care or landscaping job, visit Tavon's Lawn Care for your landscaping needs. Hey guys, welcome back to the All In Podcast. This is episode number 30. Uh, pretty unbelievable. We are at 30 episodes now. Uh, so we're really excited. That means we've been doing this for 15 weeks, so almost four months now. Um, I'm one of the co-hosts, Mike Badzig, joined by my guy Eli Cooper. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Playoff basketball is finally amongst us. Um, yes. We had an exciting play-in game uh, between Memphis and uh, Portland that we're going to get into. Um, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, we've been talking about NBA for really the whole four months, and we're just now getting some playoffs <laughs> uh, with only eight regular season games in between. So it is very nice for us to have uh, playoff basketball to talk about. And it's going to kick off huge with Monday. There's going to be four games. Pretty much the entirety of the first round is going to be four games a day. So – uh, if you're working from home, this is a great time to be working from home and because you're going to have a lot of games on in the background. We yeah. did want to start with Alvin Gentry being fired as the Pelicans coach. Uh, Coop, what were your thoughts on that? Well, it confuses me a little bit, and here's why. They were very critical, or we were very critical of Alvin Gentry, Alvin Gentry um, you know, and his, his usage of Zion throughout the bubble here, um, obviously because of the minute restriction. Um, So I'm not sure who gave him that restriction. I'm sure it came from like team doctors and stuff like that, but I'm sure like ownership and, you know what I mean? The front office was involved, right. As far as like the enforcement of it. So, and, and if we're being honest, I think that's probably the biggest reason that you missed the playoffs was not having his availability. So you know, to fire him for not making the playoffs where his best player could not play more than 20 minutes per game. Right, I just, right. that, that is a little confusing to me. I, and I think it's a little harsh. However, I don't think Alvin Gentry is the kind of coach that gets you over the hump. Like, yeah. I think he's solid. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, and I think he's good for younger teams. Um, Uh and and player development so like for the stage that this team is in like I think he's he'd be good for them now Um, but maybe they're just looking to go into a different direction Um, but it was it was a little bit confusing but not surprising to me um, that they let Alvin Gentry go they can do better as far as head coaches go Um, Mm. I think the names uh, like Jason Kidd Ty Lue have been thrown out there as potential replacements so if they knew those guys were on the market, then it, it absolutely makes sense to get rid of Alvin Gentry because I think both of those guys are better coaches than him um, and can relate to 
players. So certainly Ty Lue. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just about Jason about Kidd. Kidd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kidd, Kidd is a is solid. I don't think he's a bad coach either. But um, you know, so we'll see what direction they go in. That's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, and something we talked about in our award show here when we talked about the Pelicans and uh, Taylor had them as his biggest disappointment and Todd had Zion as his biggest disappointment. So it kind of makes sense, and we had kind of thrown out there that he might be fired, and sure enough, he was. Uh, But, yeah, I think think that is a good point you bring up about the minute restriction and who was, you know, the decider in that. If it was him and and he made the decision and then he didn't use it properly – um, by, by having Zion on the, in the right minutes and the minutes that he did play, then, yeah, maybe there's an argument there. Right. I think there was some higher expectations for this team this year. Uh, but maybe this is just a chance for the Pelicans to say, you know, we knew this year wasn't going to be the year. And I think probably they're okay with not making the playoffs this year. Uh, but I think they're starting to look at next year and the following year as years that they can really make the playoffs in the, the beginning of their, you know, window – and maybe if they look at Gentry and they say, we don't think he's the guy to do it in those years, then let's get him out now and get somebody in as soon as we can. And maybe it is Ty Lue. And I, I think I would like that move. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but maybe it's not Ty Lue. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's someone we've never heard of. That, that's possible. You know, people yeah. we've never heard of become coaches. I just like sometimes like when every time there's a head coaching position, it's like Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, like oh, all these <laughs> other guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Like, <laughs> um, so, so I, I think it was a good move for the Pelicans overall. I think, you know, if they're thinking long-term, it's better to cut ties now than four years from now when you're still getting bounced in the first round with these guys. And then you're looking at Gentry thinking, oh, we should have cut ties a long time ago. Just do it now and, and get it over with. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the playing game that happened yesterday. The first of its kind in the NBA, eight and nine matchup. Really cool. Uh, I think the NBA is probably going to try to adapt this going forward in some way. Uh, certainly had everyone's attention, uh, had everyone's attention a couple nights ago with the Nets-Blazers game when the Blazers needed to win, and that was a very entertaining game, probably the most entertaining game in the bubble so far. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday we saw Memphis and Portland in the playing game. Portland only needed to win once. Memphis needed to win twice. And Portland did take care of business on Sunday, so they will be uh, in the eight seed. What were your thoughts on – the playing game, the format, uh, this is the first time we got to see that, and just uh, the, the Blazers in general, I guess. Uh, well, I love the playing game format. I, I am an advocate for keeping it going forward and keeping it the exact yeah. same way um, with, like, a you only get it if you're a certain number of games within. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would even lessen it. Like, if you're two games, two and a half games out, you know what I mean? Uh, on a on a full regular season, I don't think you need three. Right. I don't think you need three and a half. I think two and a half warrants a playing game. Um, but what it really does is it makes those last few games where the top tier teams, you know, your your go tos as far as like national games, um, they start resting guys and they're not nearly as interesting to watch. Well, now it puts the emphasis on these who's going to make the playoff type games. I mean, even this people were watching the Suns. Um, you know, in their race to the eighth seed yeah. and, um, you know, and how this was all going to shake out towards the end, people were truly engaged in it. Um, and I think it at the end of your regular season, it gives value because you're just looking at like, oh, are they even going to qualify for the playing game? Like who's going to force right. it? You know what I mean? And then do or die basketball, um, I think is everybody loves that. Right. And we don't really get that a lot in the NBA. So, 
you know, which is what we saw yesterday was like Grizzlies got to win to get in. Um, and, and same with the Blazers, really. Like, you know, they, yeah. they win one game and they're in and they at least give, them, give themselves a couple of days of rest before they have to go play the Lakers. Um, so yeah. it was important for them to actually win yesterday, even though they get a second chance. Um, but I love the format, man. I, I, I absolutely think the NBA should take a hard look into continuing this going forward. Yeah, I think they will. And, and I think you're right, too, about shortening the number of games. Like three and a half, four games, like that's a pretty big gap in a normal season. And it right. did kind of work out perfectly this year that at the end there, we had three, four teams who were within like a game of each other going into the last day. Like right. we were it was sitting there on – uh, I guess th- Thursday, and it was like Blazers, Suns, um, Spurs, and Su- and um, Grizzlies were all playing, and they were all like must-win games for these teams. Mm-hmm. So like that just brought in a whole new level of excitement when you have that many teams. Don't quite understand the Twitter narrative of the Suns should have made it because they went eight zero. I get, I get that they maybe they get something, but like you started this pretty far back and it wasn't, you know, the thing is that like, well, they went eight. No. So then it wasn't impossible for them to make it by going eight. No, but the right. Blazers won enough games and the Grizzlies that, won enough games and the Grizzlies won enough games and the Grizzlies had a big enough lead that, you know, that's just how it shook out with the standings. Like, I'm okay with that. Right. Cause then what you're saying is you would have to completely disregard what the Grizzlies did in the regular season because right the Suns and Blazers both outplayed them in the bubble. I don't think that's fair. Um, You know, so, and, but for the Suns, even though they didn't make it, they have a Mm -hmm. lot to build on here. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think they might have to look at Kelly Oubre, who's um, going to be entering the final year of his contract, maybe possibly moving him so that they can start Mikhail Bridges. Um, I think they learned a lot about Cam Johnson at the four. Uh, Cam Johnson as a stretch four looked, really good for the Suns. So, mm-hmm. in a, and their, their floor spacing was great. Um, and obviously, Devin Booker was a stud. So, is he yes. going to play like that for an 82-game season? Probably not. Um, but I think moving Kelly Oubre opens the door for Mikhail Bridges, who I think is the better defender. And that's something that they desperately need is is defense in that lineup. So, yeah. you know, they I think they learned a lot about themselves and have some – um, some key building pieces going forward. I'm, I'm excited about Phoenix in the future. Yeah, Phoenix was really cool to watch. Kind of out of nowhere. Um, I don't think anybody expected that out of them. Yeah. I had jokingly on the pod one time said, well, what if Phoenix does something? I didn't think they were going to go 8 no. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, – and the Spurs played really well too. Mm-hmm. They, just, they had a ton of young guys, and they just were balling out. And DeRozan was just old DeRozan last five minutes – you know, he's a killer with that mid-range, man. He's, you know, yes. the analytic people hate him, but uh, <laughs> it works. It works yeah. in the French time. So, all right, that's all we got in the playing game. So, then let's kind of transition. Today we are talking about the first-round playoff series. Uh, we're going to go through each first-round matchup, kind of talk about it, give a little prediction for each. Uh, so, let's start in the West, and let's stick with the Blazers. They are going up against the number one seed Lakers. The Lakers have looked pretty shaky in the bubble. I think we would agree. Uh, and, and the Blazers have looked good. A lot of people are now taking the Blazers to actually upset them in the first round. That's, a, that's a something I've seen a lot of on uh, social media. So, Eli, the Lakers have won the season series 2-1. Um, obviously, Nurkic was not playing in those games. So, I think that makes a difference. 
Are you joining the Blazer bandwagon and taking them to beat the Lakers? I am not. No, yeah. um, I think I don't think the Blazers are the matchup that they wanted for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone really wants to have to deal with CJ and Dame um, mm-hmm. per- if you had a choice, but yeah. uh, especially for them because their guard play really isn't good. Um, yeah. So, and then you know, offensively, you know, one of the Blazers like you know, one of the ways to attack the Blazers is attacking Dame and CJ on the defensive end. You can't really do that with your, with this Lakers team. They don't have guards who do that. So, yeah. you know, I can see why people are hopping on the Blazer bandwagon. The issue is that the Blazers have absolutely nobody who can guard LeBron James or Anthony Davis for that matter. So, right. and those two are way better than Dame and CJ. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. both of them. But yeah. those two are way more dominant forces than the, than, than the other two. So, mm. and, and defensively, uh, the Lakers are very good. Um, so, yeah. you know, I just don't – I think the Blazers will push them. Uh, but I'm going to take mm. the Lakers in six. I am going to give the Blazers two games. Um, okay. The Lakers have been shaky. Uh, and they'll yeah. use this series yeah. actually to work out some of the kinks. Um so I'm going to take the Lakers in six. I like that. And I like everything you said. You know, I think that this is the, probably the worst matchup for the Lakers that they could have won it. And the Clippers know that. That's why they were trying to throw that game uh, mm-hmm. during the seeding games. It didn't work. Uh, Blazers actually – or Clippers actually won the game on those missed free throws by game. But I think everybody coming into this was thinking the Blazers are the team that the Lakers don't want to see. But, you know, they have the experience with Dame, CJ. Um, and, and getting Nurkic back is a huge boost. And Collins. So, but here's the thing. You're right. They don't have anybody for LeBron. They don't have anybody for Anthony Davis. They had a couple guys last year, Mo Harkless, Farouk Aminu, and they yeah. got rid of them all. They, they let them all go. Yeah. Um, so, what are you going to do with LeBron? Like, what are you going to do with, with AD? I just, you know, the really. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope they do. Expose. Okay, never mind. Anyway, so. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but really, we could see. But you know, you could say the same thing going back to the Blazers, where the Lakers don't have the guards with Bradley not being there. I have heard some rumors that he might be coming back. I've heard there's some rumor he he's maybe looking at the NBA bubble and saying, "Wow, there's been no positives so far. Like maybe he'll come back for the playoffs." I I've heard to, some things. Just to piggyback off that, how yeah. like how do you have to be feeling right now? If you're one of those people who opted out, obviously with COVID concerns, and then you see that they handled it so well, there weren't any COVID right. concerns. It's like, right. I'd be feeling a way, some type of way, man. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would. And you know, maybe, maybe they don't, maybe they just say, well, I didn't want to risk it. So they stuck out. But yeah. I would seriously be considering if I was one of the guys who sat out for these big teams, like just like Avery Bradley, like maybe I go back for this playoff run and, and try to win a championship. Like yeah. that's kind of a, you know, you don't come around those very often. Maybe you try. Um, but, you know, they don't really have the defenders right now. Caruso is probably the best one on the perimeter to, to handle Dame or CJ. Maybe LeBron. We've seen LeBron in the playoffs before when there's a guard on the other team who is going off. He will occasionally just say, I'll, I'll do it. I'll guard him mm-hmm. and, and try to put someone else on the guy he was guarding. Yeah. Especially when the, you know, the other team doesn't really have like a, a dominant wing to guard. He will step up and say, I'll do it. Now, I don't know if year 17 is going to do that, but we've seen it before. Even with, like, Derrick Rose, he did that. With Rondo, um, he did that. So, you could see that. I just think the Lakers are going to be a little bit too much. You know, like, and the defense for the Blazers is so bad. 
Now, yeah. the the offense for the Lakers has been very bad. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're averaging 98 points per 100 possessions here in the bubble. That's like the worst in the NBA, second worst in the NBA. So that's really bad. So that's a big concern. You know, but, you know, you just trust LeBron. When LeBron says we're just feeling it out and we'll step up in the playoffs, you have to trust him because of his, his playoff record. So right. I got Lakers um, five or six. I, I'll go six. Just maybe there, maybe there's a game there in the beginning that the Lakers are still feeling out. So I'll go Lakers in six as well. Okay, next series in the West, we'll just do 1-8, then 2-7. So Clippers, Mavericks, um, Clippers nailed down the two seed. Mavericks didn't really have any competition for that seven seed in the playing games. Uh, but they looked pretty good in a lot of their games. And Luka Doncic, you know, obviously all season now has been establishing himself as one of the six or seven best players in the NBA. And uh, he certainly did that in the bubble with, with a lot of great games. The Clippers looked okay in the bubble. There are some serious arguments against the Clippers. See Nick Wright. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, what, what do you think about this series here? Do you think the Mavs even have a chance? No, they don't have a chance to win it. Um, I do think they'll steal a game simply because yeah. Luka Doncic and uh, Porzingis are that good. Uh, their offense yeah. is that good. They will absolutely yeah. steal a game, maybe a second. I don't know. I don't quite have I'm not going to quite go there but I do like that I do like what Dallas does offensively um they're one of the most Mm -hmm. lethal offensive teams in the league um they play this like five out style they were smart enough to put Porzingis at the five something that the Lakers need to do with Anthony Davis to open up the floor um but they are smart enough to put Porzingis at the five um and him in pick and pop situations um, causes a ton of problems and he also can roll. So they kind of do like what the Rockets off like f- offensive philosophy is. It's like a lot of Luka yep. Doncic ball in his hands. Um, but they also have secondary sh- uh, scores and playmakers. And what I like more about Dallas's offense is, um, you know, they're, I think they have better shooters than Houston does. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they have more guys who can shoot and put the ball on the floor, like Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, um, Jalen Brunson. Um, yeah. And I'm missing someone else who played really well in the bubble. Um, oh, Trey Burke uh, off yes, of the bench has been, Burke, yeah. has been great for them. Yeah. Um, of course, a f- former Sixer earlier this year, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then they got uh, for their – they've kind of moved – you know, Porzingis and Maxi Kleber, and they kind of rotate these two at the five. Um, and they play Dorian Finney-Smith as like a small small ball four. Um, and it works, man. Their floor spacing is tremendous, and it's why Luka yeah. has like so much room to operate because he has four other guys who can shoot around him. Um, and and it, makes it, it makes the game simple for him. Their problem, though, is defensively. Like of all yeah. these guys that we've named, none of them are really good defenders. Of it. Like Dorian Finney-Smith no. is a pretty good defender. Um, but other than that, no one else really is that good defensively for them, um, which is something that really with the pieces that they have, that's really all that they'll need to look for um, yeah. is, is a couple more two-way guys. And this Dallas team could be ready to compete in a couple of years. But for now, um, the, the Clippers are the better, more experienced team as well. Um, so I'm going to take the Clippers in five here. I like that pick. I will agree with you again. Clippers in five, I think, 
Yeah, they're, they're just going to be able to throw some guys at Luka. I'm guessing Kawhi is going to be on him for a while. I'm guessing Paul George is going to be on him at other spurts. Uh, so that's going to be tough for Luka, and he really is, you know, they, they do run a Houston style of offense. Maybe there's a little more cutting than standing around uh, in Dallas, which which makes it more a little bit more appealing to watch for me anyway. Um, but, you know, it, Dallas has been a really good story to take kind of a bunch of, you know, Luka, KP, and a bunch of misfit toys, really, and, and have a really good season. I know they're the seventh seed, but they're like 10 games over 500. I think in other years they could have been a push in five or six, or maybe even four seed uh, with yeah. their record. So good for them. <clears throat> we'll see with the Clippers, man. We'll see if they turn it on here. Uh, you'd like to think that Kawhi and Doc Rivers have a, you know, second switch that they're going to turn on here when the playoffs start, kind of like what we talked about with LeBron. Yep. We'll see. I mean, normally Kawhi does perform really well in the playoffs, and, and certainly last year he was the best player in the playoffs. That was a LeBron-less playoffs. But, you know, I'll go Clippers in five as well. Um, I think I think that'll be an entertaining series, even if, you know, I, I think every game is probably going to be close or entertaining at least. But, you know, the Clippers just have enough, like, veteran leadership that they're going to be able to pull games out at the end of games. So, all right, let's do the 3-6 matchup, which is, Utah versus Denver. Uh, Denver swept the season series 3-0. You know, Utah did not look great with the roster they had coming into the bubble, but I think they performed pretty well. Denver's going with this big squad a lot of the time. Uh, Bo Bull has emerged. Michael Porter Jr. has emerged, uh, not only as a crazy conspiracy theorist, but as a pretty good <laughs> basketball player. So, um, Denver, Utah, what's the pick here? Uh, I'm going with Denver. Um, I think they're flat out the better team. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has been very good. Uh, there's never really been a question about his offensive talent at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, his and the he was a possible number one pick when we're talking about him coming out of high school. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, the back injury scared a lot of teams yep. off. Yep. Rightfully so, because they're extremely hard to come back from. Um, yeah. I thought the Sixers should have took a flyer on him went in that draft but again it's just me ranting a little <laughs> bit but um you know yeah the, the kid can score his is uh his yeah. other big issue is defense and it's something mm-hmm. that uh, uh mike malone has been on him about you know i mean that's really what's been limiting his playing time now that he's healthy is his defense so um but other than that the kid can play um yeah and this this denver team has a lot of talent um mm-hmm. you know obviously jokic is one of the best big men in the league um, they've got Jamal Murray. So they've got, you know, three guys who can put the ball in the basket and, and make plays um, and some good surrounding role players. Uh, yeah. So I like them. I like them better than Utah, um, even though Utah hasn't been bad in the bubble. I don't think they've been great. Um, they've dropped from, I believe they were at the four seed coming into this or, or the five seed and, and they've dropped to the six yeah. year. Um, but Utah arguably, four, yeah. Yeah. So this is, but this is arguably a better matchup for them than Houston or OKC would have been. But yeah. I'm still going to take Denver in six. Okay. Uh, I think this is like sneakily going to be one of the best series in the first round. I think it hasn't been talked about that much because there isn't like the star power. Um, yeah. You know, Jokic and, and Donovan Mitchell are there and, you know, you can argue about Gobert, but it doesn't have like the star power. But I think it's actually a really good matchup. I think they're pretty equally matched teams. You know, Denver's probably a little deeper. Um, you know, and Michael Porter Jr., if he can be that kind of a scorer, 
then, you know, that probably gives them the advantage. Uh, but I think this is going to be a good series. I think each game is going to be good. Um, I think, I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's seven games either way, whoever wins, I think it's going to be a seven game series. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm actually going to take Utah in seven because I, you know, I just look at Denver and we saw this with Denver last year in the playoffs. The Spurs took them to seven uh, and really, really could have won that game, if not for a pretty big uh, coaching blunder by Pop, actually. I don't know if you remember, they had the, the situation with the timeout and, and they didn't foul. And so I, I think Utah is going to win uh, in seven. I think Donovan Mitchell is the best guard in this series. I know that, you know, Donovan Mitchell hasn't always, you know, his rookie year, he performed well in the playoffs. Last year, he did not perform well in the playoffs. So it's kind of an up and down for him. Uh, but I think he's the best guard in this series. Um, so I'm taking Utah in seven. I, I just – Denver scares me. I just don't trust Denver. I'm not going to trust them until they, you know, look well in a playoff series, and they have not done that yet. Um, yeah. And Utah actually has. And, and you know, like even, even shooting, I think, kind of favors Utah with, with Joe Ingles. And Bogdanovich isn't there with Hurts. Mike Connolly's looked pretty good in the bubble compared to how he looked in the regular season. Yeah. So we'll see what he gives. Um, maybe he steps it up defensively and helps with Jamal Murray. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm torn on this one. I'm totally torn on this one. Uh, but I'll go Utah in seven, uh, if nothing else, just to be different than you for one pick. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's move on then. The last series in the West uh, in the first round is probably – one everybody's looking forward to maybe the most, maybe, maybe Lakers Blazers, but, but this one has a lot going on with personal rivalries as well. So we have Oklahoma city versus Houston here. Obviously the Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul trade would be a big topic of discussion here. Um, Houston lost the season series two one to the thunder. Um, Russell Westbrook is going to miss a couple of games. It sounds like in this, is that, is that what I'm hearing out correct? They, yeah, they said the first few. So, and who really yeah. knows how they didn't give a specific timetable, but they said he's going to miss a couple of these games. So he's going to miss a couple of the games. So, uh, what's your pick here? Harden fans, I am sorry. Uh, oh, Houston is getting bumped in the first round. OKC's <sighs> yeah. taking this in six, um, and I'm not so sure that. I would have picked Houston even if Russell Westbrook was playing the entire series. Probably. Mm. But I think without Russell Westbrook, if he misses the first like two or three games here, um, Houston's going to probably lose two out of those three or, you know, something like that. So I don't, yeah, I don't love that. I think Houston got the worst possible matchup that they could get in this first round. Mm. Um, Cause you know, obviously with the style of play that they've moved to, um, offensive rebounding has been a huge issue for them. And, and yeah. you're coming up against Steven Adams now. So, mm. you know, who's all over, who doesn't really do much other than, you know, boards and, and finishing and pick and roll. So, you know, I don't love that matchup. Uh, Chris yeah. Paul looks incredible right now. Yes, he does. Um, and has all year and he's been extremely clutch. Like he's, mm -hmm. I think the trade away from Houston was a wake up call for him. And obviously yeah. he, he made some big changes in the offseason that have helped his game tremendously. Um, but how – I don't really see how Houston replaces Russ's production. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, like, the the point of the 
moving Capella and going to this like super small ball lineup was to actually increase Russ's efficiency because James Harden is James Harden, right? It was really right. to increase, you know, have more spacing for Russ. Well, now you don't have that. So like who steps into his spot in the lineup? Austin Rivers? I, you know, like I don't love that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just – I think OKC is really good defensively too. Like, yes, especially from yes. the guard position, Chris Paul is still a pit bull on the defensive end. Shea is a very good defensive guard. Um, you know, something that Chris Paul has been taking, you know, SGA under his wing about is guarding yeah. these elite point guards every night. So, you know, I, I don't love the matchup. I got OKC in six. Yeah, Um this is tough for um, Houston to be out without Russell Westbrook. They did. You're right about the small ball thing. That was for Russ, and it worked really well for Russ. He he started playing really, really well whenever they mm-hmm. did that. Um, and he gives you a lot rebounding-wise from the guard yeah. position, and they're going to be missing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to come down to these guys here, and this is a bad matchup for them because, you know, Harden, whatever, he, he's going to beat his man every right. time he's pretty uh, he's pretty unguardable at this point just because of the way that he plays and the, and the rules of the way they're set up like he's pretty unguardable so yeah he's gonna beat his guy but then he's got steven adams sitting back there by by the hoop a lot of the time so he's gonna have to kick out and he's gonna be reliant on these shooters he's gonna be reliant on daniel house or you know ben mclemore to hit shots pj tucker to hit shots and as we talked about in the previous episode like they really haven't been doing that at, at a very high clip uh, this year. Now they're going to shoot 63s a game probably. Right. So, you know, maybe they don't need to hit as high a percent. They're just going to hit so many that it becomes, that it becomes a, you know, just a numbers game. But, you know, I just don't like it. I just hate, I just don't like that style. And I don't think that works against a Chris Paul led team too. Cause I think they're going to be playing right. I think Chris yep. Paul is going to have those guys ready to go. Yeah. Um, and SGA is probably going to take, you know, this could be, you know, he's been coming out all, all year, but this could be a real coming out party on these national games, these playoff games where we're like, dude, this guy's special because he is, he is like, I think if we look back at that draft and when you do a redraft uh, on that year, he'll probably be top three or four. Um, yeah. So, so, and I like the other pieces that Oklahoma city has um, Billy Donovan's a finalist for coach of the year. I don't know if that means he's a good coach, but he might be able to figure something out. Um, right. And and the thing about Houston is, Whenever, you know, you play a style that's different than anybody else, it works a lot of the times in the regular season because, yes. you know, teams don't have a lot of time to prepare. You know, it's like, oh, we just played – we played in San Antonio last night. Now we got a game in Houston tonight. What are we going to throw together to try to stop this? Like, we don't really have that much time. Let's just do what we normally do, and, you know, it might work. We'll try to make in-game adjustments. Well, now, right. like, we've seen this in the playoffs over and over again with – with Kerr and how he was able to make adjustments against these guys. Like when you give teams more time, when you give professional coaches more time um, and and especially when they're down a guy like Russ. Yeah. I would think that Billy Donovan will be able to figure out some kind of scheme that will at least slow Harden down and make these other guys beat him. Now, if these other guys beat him, they beat him. Um, I think they're they're, They'll live with that if you're the thunder. And I, I I agree with thunder, uh, thunder and thunder and, and six for me as well. And to to one final comment uh, that I want to make about yeah. the Russ being out is a lot of teams, what they were doing 
was sending that double at James Harden, right? Like as soon as he comes across half court, they were doing that even with Russ on the floor, right? And then, you know, James Harden was hitting Russ and then he was the one getting downhill making the plays. Well, now it's like, okay, well, I'm even more enticed to trap you when your next pass is going to be to Austin Rivers or Eric Gordon. And those are the guys that we're going to be relying on making the next play, you know, either for themselves or for someone else. That's what I want. I don't want yeah. James Harden, you know, making all the decisions. I want these other guys making the decisions. So, like, from the door, if I was OKC, I'd come out trapping him. Like, don't even let him get into a rhythm. And then, you know, you don't give it to him all game. Yeah. Because you never want to show him the same looks. But, like, from the door, I'd get the ball out of his hands and see what these other guys are going to do with it. Um, yeah. You know, so you can kind of make your defensive game plans at, off of, you know, an in-game adjustments from there. But, like, again, I have no faith in these other guys in being able to step up and, and replace at least some of Russ's production um, to help them win this series. Yeah, and you're exactly right about how they were how they were playing them. He would kick it over to Russ, and then it's like Russ in a four-on-three. Yep. That's exactly where you want Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, like in a five-on-five, you might not want Russell Westbrook as much. You know, he still he still has the ability to, to be dominant at times. But in a four and three, that's definitely where you want a guy like that. That's why – I don't know if we've ever actually talked about this, but whenever Chris Paul went on the trading block uh, and they knew they wanted to move him, the place that I was saying made the most sense was Philly in a Ben Simmons trade. Because if they could have got Ben Simmons, he also would thrive in a four on three type transitional role. He would give them that – perimeter defense and I think it actually would be really good for Philly too I think it would have been a great deal to have Chris Paul and Embiid together instead of Ben Simmons and Embiid together but you know that's a hypothetical but I I think that I think that would have been cool so um, let's take it to the east then the 1-8 matchup is Bucks Magic Um, I'm guessing we're both going to go with the Bucks here in four or five games so why don't you at least just differently maybe tell me what you're looking for with the Bucks? What do you want to see from them? Assuming well, you're see, picking them in four or five. <laughs> I want to see more continuity from them um, on the offensive yeah. end. They, they struggled really. And, um, but more importantly, I want to see them get back to being that, you know, legendary defensive team that they were all year. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they were pretty laxly days ago there. And I know like for a couple of games, they were missing Bledsoe and uh, yeah. Um, Connaughton had missed, a, had missed a game or two, um, so mm-hmm. that doesn't help. But um, in this bubble, they were not good. Uh, and then finish right. it off with getting blown out by the Grizzlies. Um, not sure how much they cared about that game, but or any of these seeding games for that matter, because they had the one seed locked up. So, you know, it's going to be – it's not easy for everyone to just, like, turn that switch on. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, LeBron's been doing it his whole career, so, like, we know he's going to do it. But – from you know Giannis that's not you haven't built that reputation yet you know what I mean and neither have his teammates of where the switch can be turned on and off at any time they have not been that good for this long I mean for that long so um, they're certainly going to have to work um, and and figure out whatever issues they have that was causing their poor poor play in these seeding games Um, I don't there's there's not really a better team to do that against than the Magic uh, yeah. because they're not necessarily a threat to you. Uh, but I think, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Magic stole, like, one of the first two games just as, like, a wake-up call for these guys. Like, okay, like, right. let's, 
let's really, really get it in gear. Um, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. They'll still like the second game, I think. Um, and then the, the Bucks will win three straight and, and end yeah. up winning it in five. Yeah. Um, I could see that for sure. Um, I think the Bucks, they are, they are a great team. And, you know, this is something that I've talked about before is, you know, we assume that they're a great team because of how great they were in the regular season before the seeding games. Yeah. But there was a four month layoff. Like that's a long layoff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I agree with everything you said. I think Bucks win in four though. I think that they will just pick it up here where they left off. Hopefully, hopefully for them anyway. So uh, yeah, Bucks four or five, it shouldn't be that big of a problem. Maybe the magic do still one just, just to kind of kick them in gear. Maybe they need that. Um, wouldn't yeah. be bad for them. I don't think. So, okay, the 2-7 matchup is my Raptors against the Nets. I'll tell you, I was a little bit nervous watching that Nets-Blazers uh, game, trying to uh, figure out what we're going to do with Karis LeVert and, and uh, Joe Harris. So, Raptors-Nets, you sticking with the Raptors here? I am, um, and this will yeah. be the first sweep. Um, oh, wow. I, I, if I were you, I wouldn't be concerned about Karis LeVert or Joe Harris because the Raptors – um, are a team that does not take possessions off defensively. So, sure. I, and they certainly have the wing defenders to handle, especially Karis yeah. Avert, um, who I like a lot. Don't get me wrong. And yeah. he'll probably have a decent series, but not to the point where he, I don't think he'll light the Raptors up to win them games. Um, so I think the Raptors look really good in their seeding games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think they picked up where they left off. And I don't think the Nets. Um, without their three best players are equipped to even get a game out of this series. So I'm going with the Raptors in four. Yeah, I'll do Raptors in five. I wouldn't be surprised if kind of like what you're talking about with the Magic, if the Nets get one in the first two games there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we saw with the Raptors last year against the Magic, actually, yeah. uh, where the Magic stole game one. So, um, you know, the Raptors, I trust them. They, they've looked great in the seeding games. So, you know. You just wonder about the star power sometimes. But I think they'll be fine. I think Raptors in five. You know, the Nets have looked good, though. Uh, I don't want to yeah. discredit them. But they just don't have enough. Um, in winning time, I just wonder who they're who 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 it's going to be. And probably Levert, who yeah. – hey, man, Levert looked really good against he Portland. He's got a bright future as well. So, yeah. all right, let's go to your team then. My team to your team, which is Philly. They drew Boston in the three-six matchup. Ben Simmons obviously out. Uh, does that help or hurt you? And are you picking the Sixers to win? Um, I mean, it hurts us defensively uh, yeah. because ideally you'd like him guarding Jason Tatum. Um, right. I think that's that's a pretty solid matchup in the Sixers' favor um, right. defensively. But the, from an offensive standpoint. I think we're better off without him. So it, it, it sucks, man, because you can't really know how this will impact the Sixers. Um, now, Boston is the team that I would have preferred to see here in the first round of pretty much anyone else besides the Pacers. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. And I think the Sixers do have a chance to win this series. Yeah. Um, but Embiid's going to have to be, like, dominant, dominant, like completely unguardable, um, and then these other guys are going to have to step up and make shots. Uh, Alec Burks has been, you know, really good in the bubble so far. So, you know, if he can continue that play in the playoffs, we'll, which we'll see, um, that could certainly help. 
Um, but these guys, these other guys are going to have to like step up and make shots. They're going to have to space the floor. Um, <clears throat> but defending like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum um, is going to be a little bit of an issue. I would say, yes. even though Josh and Matisse are both very good defenders still in their own right. Um, oh, yeah. I just think it, I just think it's a lot easier when you have Ben Simmons in that mix defensively. Um, Cause we, we also need to find someone who's going to guard Gordon Hayward. So, you know, that's going to be, interesting to see how Brett figures out those matchups of who's going to guard who. Um, but to, to me, if we can slow down Tatum, um, it gives us a really good chance. And then I'm not yeah. sure what kind of health percentage Kemba is at yet. Um, you know, but if, if Kemba's being regular with Kemba, that's another that's issue that problem. we have to deal with. You <laughs> know what I mean? And, and probably the biggest one. Um, so Brett needs to figure out, really even more than who's going to guard Jalen Brown and Tatum is how we're going to guard Kemba Walker in pick and roll situations. Not even like who his primary defender is, but what he's going to do with Embiid guarding and pick and rolls because Kemba's very good in those situations from getting into the mid range or forcing switches. And he's going to abuse Embiid if he gets him out on switches. So you can't do that. Um, They need to figure out what they're going to do, whether they're going to blitz him and make Tice and, and Cantor, you know, make decisions on the roles and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we'll see what, what kind of game plan Brett comes up with. But I don't have a lot of faith in the Sixers here, so I'm <laughs> going with – I'm going with Boston and – I'm going to get Boston in six. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that not having Simmons hurts you guys big time here just because of the defense – um, now, offensively, maybe you figure something out where you're just going through Embiid and, and Tobias. Maybe Tobias steps up here. You know, he's kind of a name yeah. that we forget to mention a lot of times when we talk about the Sixers. But, you know, he's on a max deal. You would hope that he gives you some uh, serious production there. Embiid is going to be a matchup problem for the Celtics, though. I don't think the Celtics, yeah. you know, you talk about, you know, you'd want to see the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics want to see the Sixers. I think they'd much rather see even the Pacers, maybe even the Heat than the Sixers right now, just because of Embiid, he's such a matchup problem for them. They don't really have anybody who can deal with him. Um, now he defensively, he's going to have to step up big time here because of Simmons not being there. He can't take possessions off. Like of all the, he takes more possessions off more games off really than most any other star in the league. So he has to kick it in gear here for the playoffs. Um, I don't know though. This is gonna to be tough for the Sixers without without Simmons. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Celtics in in six as well. Uh, I don't know if it's that close, but I think that the Philly gets two of them. Uh, I love I love Thibel. I think yeah. he's got he's got a very high ceiling. Anyway, if he can mm-hmm. if he can get in the gym and work on that jumper, he's got a very high ceiling. So I'll go Celtics in six as well. Um, just kind of just kind of taking the the favorite there. All right, last one then is Heat Pacers kind of developing a rivalry here with TJ Warren and uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, who do you like? This is the 4-5 matchup. Yeah, um, I think this is going to be a better series than what people might expect because um, the Pacers are, you know, obviously not a big name in the East, but they're competitive. Right. So, um, but I like this Heat team a lot, man. I really do. Um, yeah. I think they have a very deep roster that has a little bit of everything. They have, you know, playmaking guards and Dragic and Kendrick Nunn. 
Um, they have shooters, Duncan Robinson and, and Tyler Harrow. And those, not just like standstill shooters, these are guys that move without the basketball and uh-huh. um, can even put it on the floor, you know, when you overrun them. So especially Tyler Harrow. So, um, you know, that's, you know, something that you need. They've got a center in Bam Adebayo who is a do-it-all type of center. Um, yeah. He rebounds, he defends um, on, on the perimeter and in the paint. Um, and he's incredibly good at making the next pass um, on offense, and they kind of run their offense through him. And then you can't forget about Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, their go-to guy and um, the, lead, the unquestioned leader um, and, yeah. and their crunch time guy who has, is proven to have gotten to get, you know, as a guy who gets it done in crunch time. So oh, yeah. they, have all, they have all the elements, right, that you need there. Um, the issue is, like, for, like, a 48-minute span, Jimmy Butler isn't, like, a top 10 player. You know what I mean? He's not that guy who, you know, can flat out take over a whole game by himself. I think that's yeah. the one thing that they're kind of missing. Um, you know, or maybe a second superstar to go along with Jimmy Butler. Um, but for this first round series, um, I think they match up well with the Pacers. Um, but the Pacers put up a fight. I got the Heat in seven. Okay, so it's going on a distance here. I love this matchup. I'm glad that this matchup is happening. I'm kind of happy with how it how it shaked out in both the East and the West, actually, with the with the four, five, three, six matchups. Um, I think Miami is probably gonna be able to make more winning plays with yep. the guys they have, uh, and Jimmy leading the way there. Um, I, I like this Pacers team, man. I, I really do. They have good depth as well, um, you know, and, and T.J. Warren has been unbelievable. Now, we'll see if T.J. Warren being unbelievable keeps going. I don't know right. that it will. That kind of seems like maybe a, a couple games stretch there, and especially when he's going to run into the defenders that Miami has, might be able to slow him down. Um, but I, I think that the Heat, I like Coach Spo. I like Coach McMillan, too, a lot, but – but, you know, Spo in playoff time, he seems to be able to figure things out. I got Miami in five, actually. I think, I think every game is close. I think every yeah. game is – it comes down to the wire, but they just have the, you know, Jimmy, and he, he's just going to make winning plays, I think. And I don't know who Indiana has to do that. Uh, every game is close, I think, but I think Miami wins in five um, for that one. So, all good matchups, though. I'm excited literally about, like, every single matchup besides maybe the the – bucks and magic yeah agreed i i think these seeding games kind of worked out perfectly yeah. um, as far as these first round matchups goes um even as a as a sixers fan i'm, I'm excited to see because i i think we can upset boston i like I think so on a scale of like one to ten i'm like i have like a five confidence rating that we can pull off that upset so you know i'm going to be tuned i'm certainly going to be tuned in for that and hopefully Embiid is just so dominant that yeah it's this Gets us out of uh, gets us out the first round. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Kicks off Monday, a quadruple header, um, and really every day is gonna be a quadruple header. So, yeah. uh, and we are gonna be talking about it all playoff long. This is gonna be our main topic, uh, really throughout the playoffs, and then really till football starts is gonna be basketball. Now we'll mix in some other stuff, of course, and have some guests. Um, but Eli, there's a lot going on in All In Network things that we're doing. Why don't you talk to people about that? Yeah. So um, we got quite a bit going on. Um, We are adding a new podcast uh, to the network, the beast gaming podcast uh, by LaQuinn Thompson. Um, His first episode is actually debuting Wednesday, August 19th. Uh, So stay tuned for that. 
Um, should be coming uh, available on Spotify and Anchor. I don't think he's quite on Apple yet. Um, so we're waiting for that clearance to come in and you will be able to hear his audio there. Obviously, he will have his own channel here on the YouTube. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, we also have a new staff writer, um, my brother, Kyle Cooper, who's very good with uh, Danny Daily Fantasy and um, you know spread betting. Uh, for sports betting and things like that. He will be um, doing a regular blog um, called our All In DFS and Bets. Um, he actually released his first episode, um, or I'm sorry, his first article uh, back on August 13th. So stay tuned for more of that. Um, and then Rain and Bliss uh, just dropped a new episode on Thursday uh, in their YouTube video. Uh, just came out yesterday as well. All in Politics released yesterday. Um, they have a their full episode is available on our channel, um, and even some clips and highlights from their show, yep. um, which is something we're going to start doing more. Um, is releasing you know small short highlights um, for you guys to catch you know specific parts of our show, um, but you'll also still be able to catch our full videos on our channel as well. Yeah, we're really excited about adding that component to the YouTube channel. Maybe if you, you know, you're running short on time and you want to just catch some highlights, you can do that on the YouTube channel. Uh, All in politics. Make sure you guys check that out. Really good conversation about Kamala Harris um, and, and her being selected as the VP, which we we're very excited about. Yes. Um, so yeah, lots going on guys. We updated our website, allinnetwork.net to incorporate a lot of this stuff. So make sure you're going there. That's where you can find uh, Kyle's daily fantasy blog, as well as the articles that we post and other writers post for us, uh, all in network.net, uh, teespring.com slash all dash in dash network. You can still get merch, uh, to support the network. Yeah. And, uh, we are, we are just keep on chugging along here, guys. So this was episode 30, uh, three zero. We, we've been doing this for a while now. So, uh, all in politics guys, <laughs> all in politics, uh, all in politics is available on this YouTube channel. You can go watch them next, but this was the all in podcast uh, with Mike Badzig and Eli Cooper. Thanks for watching guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on Thursday. Hey guys, it's Mike from the all in podcast. Just wanted to remind you about our merchandise store teespring.com slash all dash in dash network head on over there and use the promo code all in pod and get 15 percent off support the network we've got all kinds of t-shirts hoodies blankets phone cases uh coffee mugs really whatever you can get and support the network we would appreciate it go to teespring.com slash all dash in dash network and use the promo code all in pod uh, to get 15 percent off thanks guys